Well, good evening. You can talk to me. Good evening. That wasn't a rhetorical good evening. I actually mean to treat you like humans and mean to be treat like, uh, treated like tret. Mean to be tret. Treated like a human tonight. Good evening. Hey, uh, fun, fun uh, announcement. We've got Jason and Tiffany Blair today with their 16th anniversary. Give it up for the Blairs who are in the house. 60 more coming for those Blairs. They're, anyway, great future ahead for them. We love you guys. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Proverbs chapter 22? Uh, tonight, we're continuing our series. I think this is week seven uh, going through this series, how do I dot, dot, dot. That's the sentence stem, how do I. And we've talked about money and we've talked about relationships and we've talked about so many different things. And tonight what we're gonna do is ask the question, how do I raise my children? How do I raise my children? Now a couple quick thoughts. Woo! Yes. <laughs> couple quick thoughts. Teach us, he says. Okay. Uh, this is not just a talk for biological parents, okay? So uh, too often in the church, we treat it as if the major sign of success is when you have a family, and then boom, you arrive. That is not true. Jesus didn't have a family, and I think he did just fine. John the Baptist did not have a family, and I think he did just fine. I can take you through the scriptures. So when we create this thing as if like the only sign of success or you've really reached the mountaintop if and when you have children, I just think we need to say no to that. There are, there, there's a broad spectrum of what success in the kingdom of God looks like. So if you are not a biological parent, you may still be an auntie or an uncle, you may be someone who is an influencer. You may be a school teacher or a school administrator. All of us get to help raise young ones up in the faith and we all get to make a mark. And my dad who's here tonight still talks about his Sunday school teachers from 60 years ago who he can remember the things that they imparted to him. So I'm saying all of us are in the game tonight, okay? Amen? Very good. Second thing is I do not stand here as an expert. There are no experts. Uh, I'm a fellow traveler and one who's devoted my attention to the scriptures and one who's raising children and all of us are saying, Lord, help us tonight. So the playing field is level. I'm not here to tell you, you know, the five things that, you know, God told me on the mountaintop that if you'll do these things, your life will be airtight. I'm here to say, Lord, help us all and we can have this conversation in public, okay? Amen. Y'all better loosen up a bit tonight. You're, you're a bit stiff. I don't know if you're tired. I don't know if you didn't eat before you came, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat that out of you tonight. Spare the congregation, spoil the congregation, okay? So let's, uh, let's go for it tonight. Proverbs 22, an iconic passage in this conversation. Verse six, it says, start children off on the way they should go and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. We need you to be the father and we need you to treat us like your children tonight. We need you to train us up in the way that we should go. So we invite you to teach us. We invite you to open our eyes. If there's something that we've been missing right in front of us, Lord, would you reveal it tonight? 
Lord, I pray that you would give us creativity together. I pray that you would give us joy together. I pray that you would help us and make us better and, and, and teach us up tonight and transform us. May the word of God do what it does, which is bring life. And so, Lord, we say, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. I will never forget May 28th, 2007. Lillian Carol Grothy was born into the world. And we were so excited uh, when we found out that Lisa was pregnant. And we were so excited going to that first doctor's appointment. All the jitters and the adrenaline and the questions. And well, we know what to do and all of this stuff. And nobody, you know, what an incredible gift and what a sobering responsibility and so finally it's game time and we go to the hospital and it's Lisa's birthday when we go to the hospital and and contractions are happening and I'm going push you know it's before midnight let's just consolidate and share birthdays and and she said I don't think I'm mature enough to share a birthday so she waited and so Lillian was born early the next morning May 28th and but in the run-up, you know, you don't, it's your first time ever being in the room, and Lisa did the work. I was just, you know, support and eye candy uh, for her, and <clears throat> just kidding. <laughs> but we're in there, and, and it seemed to be going fine until it wasn't going fine, and an alarm goes off, and eight people run into the room screaming and, you know, the whole deal. And apparently there's an, her umbilical cord was wrapped twice around her neck. Her oxygen plummeted. And Lillian, you know, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Or we're going to have to, you know, do the C-section. So Lillian comes out. She's just purple. And they unwrap her neck. And they're waiting to see, you know, kind of. And finally that first. Because she had been so, you know, so strangled. She, she, it took her a while till she could get it out. But finally, that first full scream. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Something in me just broke. You know, I, I know you were surprised, but I sobbed. Um, not you, Daniel. No. Stoic Daniel. Unemotional pastor. But I did. I did. I sobbed and just, like, convulsed. And, and then ran over to Lisa and sobbed on her, you know. And then the joy, right? The joy, and then also, oh my Lord, we have a human. What do we do? Lord, help us have mercy. And here's this text tonight says, train up a child in the way that they should go. So I wanna ask tonight, how do we train them up? And I wanna make five simple statements. These are not five universal truths that if you do these things, everything will work and, or your money back guaranteed. I just wanna say five things tonight that stand out to me in paying attention to the scriptures about training up a child. The first thing is, the temptation is to think that training is done primarily by telling. But telling will never hold a candle to showing. Showing. Yes, of course, we have to tell and we have to teach and we have to talk. We have to reason. We have to explain. We have to read books together. We have late night conversations, sitting on the bed and opening up our hearts and sharing. Obviously, there's a lot of telling that goes on here. 
But think about doctors. Doctors spend years, and nurses and medical professionals, they spend years learning, reading, and being told, and they're in the classroom, and they've got books, and late nights, and the three-by-five cards, and they're memorizing vocabulary words, and what does this mean, and all that. But then they begin to practice medicine. It's not just telling, 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 telling. At some point, you have to begin to practice by apprenticing to other excellent practitioners. And then after you have practiced and learned, they turn you loose on patients. There's, there's something about practicing by, by showing, by doing it, by involvement. And we think about how, the, how silly and counterproductive it is when we as parents, there's so many silly and counterproductive things that we do. Like if we could just step back from the heat of the moment and think about it, you know, the irony of shouting at a kid to be quiet. Be quiet! Well, you're breaking your own rules. Uh, I, there's a conflict uh, here. There's, a, there's mixed messages like, ah! we want it down here so we get up here. Think about the irony of furrowing your, your brow to tell someone to be nice. Be nice! Dead gummit! You can tell all you want, but what are you showing? It's, it, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Like, mimic me. Come here. Let me show you what it looks like to, to bring it down. Let me show you what it looks like. And I'm preaching to myself, look, I'm not here as Mr. Rogers that, you know, put on my shoes and, you know, let me tell you how to parent because I do it right all I, No, I'm teaching myself right here in public. Like, like, follow me as I follow Christ. Come here, Wakely. Let me show you what it looks like to bring peace into this house. And, and I'm gonna bring peace into this house not by causing a storm. Follow me as I follow Christ. Show, don't just tell. Our kids will learn, will listen to what we say, but they will most often mimic what they see. God told us through the scriptures. God told us through the Ten Commandments. God told us through the prophets. But at some point, that was breaking down. That wasn't going to be enough. So he sends Jesus who came to show us what the life of love looks like, who came to walk the streets and who came to call us to follow, follow me as I follow my father. And so we as parents, we as the community of faith, the extended family of God helping to raise these ones We've got to not just tell them, but we've got to show them. The second thing I want you to see tonight is that there's a shelf life on the style of parenting that primarily leads from a position of authority. Authority, primarily leads from authority. Let me show you this picture. Captain Von Trapp, early on in the story. Remember, seven kids, is it? You know, Sound of Music. He's blowing the whistle. And they all come running out in lockstep and they've got their clothes just perfectly ironed and pressed and he's yelling commands and, you know, he's leading from a position of authority. Maria teaches him to kind of like chill out a little bit, bro. And Maria's impact actually softens the family up and brings them together. And later in the movie, you start to see Captain Von Trapp sitting around with his acoustic guitar and the children are singing and the family comes to life. He starts off by leading primarily from a position of authority and then learns how to make the heart connection. Command and control is good for war, but it's not good for raising children. There are times, I'll clarify, 
where we need to say, because I said so. <laughs> like, I'm not saying, you know, get all, like there are times where, why? Because I'm the dad, because she's the mom, because that's what we said, get in the car. No more questions. Thank you. Shut your mouth. There are situations where you do say no just because no is the right thing for right now and I don't really need a full explanation. Just no, thank you. There are times when we have to lead unapologetically but I will say this, if you are primarily leading from your position of authority, what will you lean on when you're, you're no longer in a position of authority? Like that's a ticking clock. There will be a day when that actually does, that you can't play that card. So if, if you build it up front, heavy on a position of authority, you blow the whistle and you, just because I said so, and because I'm the dad, like, talk to that 20-year-old kid. And, and how's that going to play? Like, forecast how that's going to play out. So at some point, yes, position of authority yes responsibility yes the lord has entrusted these children to us but do you also know that on a very real level and i tell this to my kids all the time yes i am your dad wilson and wakely and lillian but also in a very real theological sense i am your brother in christ think about that if we just teach them that I am your authority figure, I am your dad, but we never level the playing field and say we're all looking up to the same father and at some point you get to help hold me accountable for my attitude and you get to help challenge me and we can iron sharpen iron right here even in a parental and child relationship. Like there is a mutuality, there is a back and forth. So there are times where you will need to lean into your position of authority while you have it. But if you only build it on a position of authority, you won't have any of the sort of soft tissue, uh, you know, soft space stuff, the heart connection stuff that actually carries the thing forward into the decades Ahead, Parenting from a place of heart connection is parenting that will span the decades. It'll span the decades. So we need to develop that deep heart connection. Find ways to, to level the playing field and create that mutuality. Find ways to draw out what's in them. Find ways to ask them what they would do. Find ways to, to, to say, you are my Sibling in Christ, though I am your father, though I am your mother, whatever, like we are also under the same father and we'll all walk this road together. Parenting like that can span the decades. So don't just lean on your position of authority. Number three, so much of parenting is getting your children in the right environments. All of us are deficient in some ways. No one can do it all. No one is airtight. No one came prepackaged with all of the goods to do all of the things. All of us have gaps in our development. All of us have deficiencies in our character. All of us have areas of, our, of the fruits of the spirit that aren't fully developed in us. So one of the greatest things, maybe the greatest thing you can do is make sure you're continuing to get your children in the right Environments. This is why we do Desperation Conference and we just celebrated 20 years this week. of. How, I was thinking last night, I think we've had somewhere around 60 to 70,000 teenagers over the last 20 years. 
flood into this place for three days and go hard and it's exhausting and there are late nights and there are early mornings and there's trash everywhere and like I said, it smells like a locker room and it's one of the best things that we do. Why? Because it's creating the right environments for these kids to be nurtured in the life of faith. We play soccer, our kids play soccer and basketball and that's fantastic and some of you got gymnasts and some of you got musicians and you're going busy with, with those extracurricular activities. That's fantastic but I stand out on the soccer sidelines very often with, with people and I listen to them and they'll say things like, you know, this is our, this is our community. This is our family right here. You know, we're so busy, we do this all the time. This is our community, this is our family. That kind of, it kind of bothers me because like, wait, the the prevailing thing that we're gathering around is sport? Like that's the thing that we're all gonna like, okay, that's the most important thing. This is my community. Like it's a part of your community. It's a part of your life. It's a part of your calendar, but, but this is our community. Like people who, open the book and who fall on their knees and who lift their hands to the skies and they say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and we repent and we take care of one another and we share our resources and we pray for one another and we go into hospitals together and we bury the dead together and we celebrate new birth together and child dedications together and we walk as the body of Christ through the decades like this is my community and this is my family and all that other stuff is wonderful but it's side work but this is primary work and so I say to you parents out there like fight to have your children in the household of faith and you go oh yeah you would say that you know you got to pay the bills that's no I know I would say that because like this is what the saints have done for thousands of years the David said in Psalm 16 King David he says as for the saints who are in the land this is not in my notes this is just in me. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all of my delight. Like we got to go do work out there and we got to go be a blessing. Absolutely. But if we don't have this, we don't have anything. And so get your kids in the right environments. And when I look across this room, I've, my kids have 25 aunties and uncles. Jordan and Mindy, whose wedding I stood in, and we went to college together, and we lived on the same wing, and they've got four beautiful kids, and we've got three beautiful kids, and they're in school together, and they're in church together, and we're sharing so much of life together. They can help tighten the screws on my kids when my kids mess up. And they can encourage my kids when they see them doing something great. And they can pat them on the back and they can feed them a great meal and they can take them into their house and we can take their kids into our house. And if you walk together like that for 25, 30, 40 years, you are rich with all the stuff that matters. None of us can raise kids on our own. All of us are deficient. But within the life of the body of Christ, don't look now, but you have everything you need. So get your kids in the right environment. This week at Despo, uh, our youth pastors had the brilliant idea, and we've been doing it forever, of, of the early prayer meeting, early morning prayer meeting, like conference all day, but before the conference, we're going to come early and do prayer meetings. And on paper, I would say that's a brilliant idea, and it's a brilliant idea. And as a parent, I'm going, shoot! Because I'm not just a parent, but I'm also up here working and I'm speaking and I'm going hard and it's late nights and I'm exhausted and I gotta preach on Friday and I gotta preach on Sunday. For all of you double dippers, I'm preaching this same thing on Sunday slightly better. But I'm, I'm so all of a sudden on uh, 
Wednesday morning and Thursday morning, we hear these footsteps running down, you know, at 6.15 a.m., and we got, we got them in bed late, and, and, and they probably didn't even brush their teeth. That's how late it was, and so we're all falling apart, but we're in bed, and, we, and they're coming down there, go, can we go to the prayer meeting? Can we go to the prayer meeting? And I'm trying to extract myself into like an alternate universe and think, at what point would I be mad to, to have my kids yell at me, can you please take me to the prayer meeting? But I was mad. I was mad. But what am I going to say? No, I won't take you to the prayer meeting. But you're a pastor. Man. Darned if you do, darned if you don't, you know? Vocational, you know, hazards. uh, Occupational hazard. So we got them up and we, oh, oh, fuck. We got them Get your kids in the right environments. Because they're in there with other students and they're lifting their hands at 7.30 in the morning and they're praying and they're going for it and they're worshiping the Lord and they're hugging it out afterwards and they're building camaraderie and they're building their friends that will walk them into these really important moments in the future and, and as much as it takes sacrifice and as difficult as it sometimes feel, sometime feels and as inconvenient as it often is, it is the best investment you will make by getting your children in the right environments within the life of the church. And if you will do that, you will find riches that you did not know existed. Friends, get your kids in the right environment. Number four, parenting is not just about helping kids become more like Jesus. Parenting is about helping parents become more like Jesus. We think train up a child. Oh, it's a one way. Yeah, me. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make a disciple. No, they're gonna make a disciple. Parenting is the thing that will challenge you. It will. It will. It it it, it will strip away the excess. It will strip away the selfishness. If you will let it, if you fight against it, you're going to be miserable, and so are your people. But if you will say, you know what, God gave me these kids, yes, to train them up, but He gave me these kids so that I could be trained up. <laughs> to become more like Jesus, like everyone is in this together. Everyone is being made a disciple. Everyone is being challenged. And my children have taught me how to trust the Lord in ways that I could have never taught them. My children have taught me how to worship. My my children have taught me how to give generously. My children have taught me how to forgive. My children have taught me how to repent. My children have taught me how to play. My children have taught me how to befriend people and how to live by faith. I watch my kids and they're like never met a stranger. They go out on a playground and they don't even know these people and they're like hugging. That's weird. It's weird when you get old and when you lose your childlikeness. But I watch them and they're like, yeah, whoa. Okay, story. Uh, a desperation conference this week. My little boy, Wakely, he's illegal. He's nine. He should not have been here, but he's a pastor's kid, and I was here, so he was here. And, and so he was here, and he was out in the parking lot. I didn't know where he was, and he ran back in, and I said, Wakely, we gotta get you some food. He goes, I just ate. I just ate. I go, what do you, what do you mean you just ate? I, he said, I ate at the food trucks. And I said, where did you get the money? And he said, I asked someone for it. 
pastor's apparently not paying his bills. We gotta, you know, pick up his slack. It's a little kid, poor guy. So if you bought my son food this week, thank you. I just asked. I asked. Like we can learn something from that. How many of us have needs and we're afraid to say, could someone please help me? This room every week is filled with any number of people who have needs and they haven't been able to ask why. Because we're scared, we're proud, we, we, we gotta pull myself up by my own boots. I just watched my son, he goes, yeah, I just asked, it was great. Life is good if you just ask. Thank you. I keep preaching it. Man. It's not just about parents raising kids. It's about kids raising all of us to become more childlike and more like Jesus. And this is exactly why Jesus said, unless you become like one of these little ones, you miss out on the kingdom. And so parents, if you will come into parenting as a learner, if you will come into parenting with your eyes wide open, and again, I'm preaching to myself. Lord, what do you wanna teach me through these kids? Lord, how do you wanna make me more like yourself through these kids? Lord, what, what do I need to get rid of? Like the kids, they just run so free and they run so, they're just, they're just open-hearted, they're tender, they're, they're willing. They're, Lord, can you make me more like that? Because I carry burdens and I live anxious and I live re regretful and I live mad at other people. And here these kids are hugging total strangers and asking for money from strangers. Lord, would you help me to be a little bit more like that? Parenting is not just about us raising kids. It's about kids raising us to become more like Jesus. The fifth thing I wanna say tonight, the final thing, is the task is not to teach children how to do it right all the time. The task is to show them what to do when you do it wrong. The illusion of perfection is just that, an illusion. We will not do it right all the time, and, and, and I don't even think the Lord intended us to, but will our kids know how to respond rightly when they've done wrong? And one of the great things my dad taught me, my dad's 6'6", six, six, over here, white hair, you know, just this. And, and when you're little, 6'6", six, six is, I mean, I used to read about Goliath, and I thought, my dad is a nice Goliath. But he's nine feet tall. Like, he, he's nice. He's not mean. But that, that must be what Goliath was like. You know, because when you're like this, and you're... Like, so I looked up at my dad and he was this towering figure, but he was a man of God. And when he would mess up, you know, one of the great things he would do is he would get down on his knee, eye to eye. And he would say, Daniel, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And you know what little kids will say? You've heard your kids say this or you've heard a kid say this. They'll say, oh, it's okay. And, I, and my dad would say, no, it's not. I was wrong. Please forgive me. That, that won't ever be okay. I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? And I go, oh yeah, dad. Hug him out and just on like it never happened. The task is not to teach your kids how to do it right all the time. That will never happen. The task is, and the question is, will your kids know what to do when they've done it wrong? Will you model for them what humility looks like? Will you model for them what repentance looks like? Will you model for them what saying, I'm sorry, some of the most powerful words you could ever teach your kids to say are, I'm sorry, I was wrong. 
in a world that's just desperate to be right, in a world that wants to destroy the enemy, in a world that wants to fight, people who can just own it and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, that is a superpower. In the kingdom of God, that's a superpower. Jesus says you wanna be great, learn to be the servant. You wanna be powerful, learn to be humble. You wanna, you wanna rise, get low. <laughs> and so teach your children and let's be a community, all of us, that teach each other's children when, when, when we mess up what it looks like to be humble, to be tender, to be repentant, to lay our lives down and to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Now tonight, before I'm done, I've got to say this. Because I know, and I've seen it, I've seen it. I've been preaching now for 16 plus years. I've seen moments like this where shame enters the room. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. And very often, the enemy starts tapping on, on parents in these moments going, yeah, you missed it. Yeah, you're a failure. Yeah, oh, your kid, oh, they went to college and they fell apart. Some training you did. The enemy loves to taunt and to play with our emotions and to heap shame and condemnation and guilt. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm here to break that off tonight. I'm here, I'm here to drive that stuff out. There is nothing like the ache of a parent who, who's lost a child to wild living and Jesus knows it and so he tells us one of the most iconic stories in the New Testament about that same scenario. Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son goes, give me my inheritance, I wish you were dead. In an honor-shame society, he's asking for his money up front and this is as shameful as it gets for a Middle Easterner. Children are to honor their elders and to serve and to stay close and to usher their parents into all of that stuff. And here this boy comes, he's peacocking and he goes, I want my stuff and I'm out of here and I'm gonna write my own story. And the dad is not only embarrassed, but he's heartbroken as any parent would be. And it says after he had spent everything, all of his money, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. We have pigs. They are nasty. No lie, every day we feed. I'm glad it's not my job, though. Our kid, that's my kid's job. <laughs> Go feed the pigs. They're nasty, there's flies everywhere. They taste great, but the process ain't beautiful. And, and this boy who is loaded and comes from good stock and finally actually gets his windfall of cash, he goes out and he's, he's big dogging until he wasn't anymore. And when he loses all of his money, he loses all of his friends and the best he can do is spend his days out in the fields feeding pigs. And it says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pig, this is so nasty. I promise you it is so nasty because I see what they eat and how they live every day, these pigs. But he's so hungry that he's longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. He's desperate. And when... He came to his senses. These are some of the holiest words. These are some of the most powerful words in all of scripture because truth be told, all of us have lived this story. 
Oh, I'm gonna be my own God. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm fine, I'm paying my bills, I'm good. I don't need anything, I don't need religion. I don't, and we've, we've messed up our, we, we have all been this person. Even if we haven't been out in the pigsty, we've lived this kind of way toward God. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. And so what I wanna say to you tonight, to all of you who the enemy is trying to heap up shame on tonight, what I'm saying is, God is still working. And all you have to do is just enter into that life of intercession, which I know you're already living, and just say, Father, let him come to his senses. Father, let her come to her senses. Father, we call him home. Father, we're sitting out on the front porch just like that father, waiting from a long way off, scanning the horizon for the day, and we ache in our souls for the day, and we want nothing more than the day where we see the dust behind out in the distance. Is that my, chi- is that my girl? Is that my boy? Lord, help them come to their senses today. Help them to hate the pigsty. Help them to be done with all those pods. Help them to just realize sooner rather than later what a treasure they have here waiting for them at home. Let them come on home. Friends, the call tonight is just to enter into the life of intercession and trust that the Spirit is the one who will cause that day to happen when they come to their senses. Can you say amen tonight? There is no shame. There is no guilt The Lord is not here to wag his finger at you tonight. The Lord is here to invite all of us to live lives of deep intercession about the ones that he's entrusted to us. So Lord, tonight, we need your help. We need your help. Only you are the perfect father. Only you have done it all right. We have all failed. We have fallen short. We have uh, have gaps. We all have gaps. So we're asking for your help tonight and we're asking for your mercy tonight. And Lord, we do pray right now for any prodigals. Come on, church, let's, let's begin to call those prodigals home, Lord. We call them home. We pray tonight, wherever they are, it's Friday night, we pray that you would wear them out with your love. <laughs> we pray that you'd be the hound of heaven chasing them down, drawing them back home. We pray that they would come to their senses. We pray that they would get so over the nastiness of the pigsty. We pray that they would realize how good they have it back home and how much love there is just waiting for them. And we pray that they would begin tonight the journey, the long journey home. And Lord, we pray that they would know that somehow they're gonna find someone on the porch waiting. So Lord, we call the prodigals home tonight. And Lord, for all the children in our congregation here, everyone represented under our care. They're up learning the scriptures and playing and worshiping and having a blast tonight. Lord, we pray, just begin to pray. If you have children or or nieces or nephews, people that you're responsible for, Lord, we pray that you'd bless these kids. We pray that they would hear your voice and love your word. We pray, Lord, that they would hate what is evil and cling to what is good. We pray, Lord, that you would help us if you, if you sense a responsibility for children in any way, whether you're a parent biologically or not, would you put your hand on your heart right now? Lord, would you help us? Would you help us? Would you heal us? Would you have mercy on us? Forgive us, Lord, for all the times we've botched it, we've tried to do it alone. 
And we pray, Lord, that you would sign us back up for doing this the right way. Trying to honor you as we raise these children, train them up in the way that they should go. And we pray that when they are older, they will not depart from it. So Lord, hear our cry and help us to be a congregation of those that are pursuing you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Would you stand with me tonight, church? You can get the communion elements ready. If you don't have communion elements, you can raise your hands and our team will come racing to you in the back right. Why do we come to the table of the Lord at the end of our services? We come to the table of the Lord because we're all doing this sort of on an empty stomach, if you will. We've come to the end of our week. We're tired. We've got no more strength left and we need to be fed again. And Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, I am the God who will constantly feed you. This is my body, which is broken for you. And Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. And so we're coming to acknowledge our need. We're coming to acknowledge that he's in control. We're coming to acknowledge that if anything good is going to happen, it's going to be because he's provided for us. So Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. Go ahead and receive the bread tonight. The same night, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. Again, all of the baggage, all of the stuff that we carry to this moment, the failures and falling short, all of it. Jesus says this cup is given to remove all that, to wash it away. You're clean tonight. You have a fresh start tonight. Do you know that it's just never too late to start again? (laughs) It's never too late to press back in, to to say, okay, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna give it a go. Lord, give me your power to do this work. Like that's what we're doing every single week is signing back up with Jesus and receiving newness from Jesus. And so tonight I say to you, your sins, your shortcomings, your failures, all the gaps that we carry Jesus has removed them from us tonight. He's forgiven us tonight. You may receive the cup. And now let's worship Jesus together.
God, I pray tonight. May the Lord our God bless you. May he bless you. May he bless you. May he bless you. And may you know that God is not skimping on your life. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you and may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and grant you and all of your people peace. And I pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, let's give the Lord thanks for what he's done here tonight. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If any of you are needing prayer, we would love to agree with you in prayer. If you're new, come see us at Connect Central. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.